Yes, let's pray over it. Yeah. Sorry. Father, we thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for your time. Thank you, God, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your giving. We just ask you to bless uh, the people. Lord God, multiply them. Multiply your uh, finances and provision in their lives. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Ah, praise God. God's good. Hallelujah. God's, he blesses us in so many, so many ways. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And provision is one of them. We're, we've been talking about uh, breaking oppression in our lives. We're going to continue that uh, today. We're going to be talking about restoring rightful dominion. A lot of us think that we just have to deal with what comes, what life throws at us. But we are, in, in a lot of ways, we are in charge of the atmosphere that uh, surrounds our life. We're in charge of the atmosphere. Uh, we can influence atmosphere everywhere we go. Atmospheric uh, conditions. And, um, but, you know, it, if you understand it, if you know that you have that right, then things can change. If you don't know that, then you'll just, you'll just uh, kind of roll with the punches. Do whatever, whatever comes, whatever goes. It just, that's just life. That's what, how it happens. You're going to, you know, having dominion doesn't mean that everything's going to go good for you. It means there's going to be battles, going to be struggles, but you have authority over what your life, what happens in your life and how you respond to that and what you allow to come into your life because of the things that happen around you. We're going to be talking about rightful dominion today, and we're going to under, understand that, that we have the ability to break the power, oppressive power of the enemy over our lives, not only over our lives, but, but literally over regions, over countries. There is, there is such a power when people come alive and understand their authority in God, understand who they are, and they, uh, there is an authority that comes over that region, over that place. And blessing comes to that place. Blessing comes that region. Now, the enemy is always trying to, trying to mess that up, trying to bring us back under his authority and back under his dominion. And he uses things that we're familiar with to do that. And uh, if he can get us, next week, the Lord will, and next week we're going to be talking about the same thing, of breaking oppression over life. But we're going to be talking about what is real freedom. People say, I want to be free. You know, I've had a lot of people come to me and say, until we dig into it, what they mean by that. What is it that you actually mean by, I want to be free? Freedom is really up to your interpretation of it. You can, you can, everything is. I mean, we can, a hard day, if you say, I've had a hard day, there are other people that have, Become, an, come, become hardened to the things that has affected you and it no longer even affects them. And they don't think it was a hard day at all because they don't pay attention to it. They've, they've overcome that, that 
uh, effect on their life. You know, my uh, here a while back, my grandson was with us, and, and uh, we didn't. He wanted to go swimming every day that he was with us, and the the second day he was with us, we we wasn't able to do that, and we ended up taking him home. You know, he had to go home, which was was not. You know, he, he, he had this plan, and we messed up his plan. And so when he got home, his mama told me that, that she said, she said, well, how, how, how'd it go? And, he, and this was his statement. Well, today was a hard day. <laughs> Papa Nana did not do what he wanted to do, and it was a hard day. Even though he got pretty much everything he needed, he got, you know, food, he got, you know, we, we did different activities and stuff, but it didn't go the way he wanted to go, so it was a hard day. And so his mama took him uh, shopping for school clothes that night, and it was after this that she asked him, and he said, he said it was a hard day, but you managed to make it a little better. As he went and got some new school clothes. We, our interpretation of life really determines, is determined by what we absorb into our life, what we allow to affect us, what we, what we take into ourselves. And when we allow life to literally penetrate our being and, and the negative parts of life, then it's a bad day. It's a hard day. But when we don't allow that to happen, then it was a good day. You know, it was a good day. You know, I've been, I've been traveling for years, and, and we've faced all kinds of opposition. We've faced all kinds of breakdowns, all kinds of problems. We've traveled all over the world. And we can have all kinds of problems on a trip. And if you ask me how'd the trip go, I will always tell you it was good. It was good. We might have had all kinds of problems, but to me, it was a good trip. Now, I'm not lying. I, I really believe that. And the reason is because I stopped taking that stuff personal and stopped allowing it to affect me. Problems are going to happen. You know, on this last trip, when, when we broke down uh, and had to stay in upstate New York for three extra days with nothing to do except wait for a motorcycle to be fixed. And, we made the best of it. I mean, we had a good time. And, and when all that happened, uh, I, just, I just told everybody, I said, we're exactly where we're supposed to be. You know, no big deal. We're exactly where we're supposed to be because God is watching over us, okay? Now, if you're not used to that and if you take all that personal, then it would have been awful and it would have been terrible because it cost us a whole lot more money. And then we were pressed to get home. We had to run the interstates for three days coming home. And if you're riding a motorcycle, especially if you're a passenger on, on that motorcycle, that's not fun because you're out there running 80, 85 mile an hour on interstates with semis and crazy drivers that aren't paying attention and you do that, and there's really nothing to do except do battle with traffic. And that's all you do. And because nobody's looking out for you. you got to look out for yourself. And so, you know, that put us in a bind. And we had to push hard for three days to get home 
uh, some 1,800 miles or something like that. And, you know, it's, it, it could have been a bad time. But it, it's all in what you want it to be. Because it's in your power to make it what you want it to be. Amen. Okay, I'm going to stop. We're going to get we're going to get in the message. I'm trying to convince you, and I, I'm I'm no, I'm doing a poor job of it here. Acts chapter Acts chapter ten and verse thirty eight, it says that Jesus, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit, and He went about doing good, and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Now, if Jesus had to heal people that were oppressed of the devil in His day, I kind of think it's probably the same way today. There is an oppression that we have to come become knowledgeable about and we have to become aware of because it's so sneaky that it can sneak back into our lives and we don't even realize it's happening because we get so preoccupied with other things. And most of it has to do with how we respond to situations, how we respond to people, how we respond to things that affect our lives said about us, done to us, how things go. And so we, we, we have to really uh, become aware of that and have revelation knowledge that, hey, whoa, I, you know, I, I'm not going to go this route again. I feel that. I know you. I hear you. I know what that is, and I'm not going to go that way. And a lot of times you can hear it coming out of your own mouth, and you say, whoa, that, that, that's, not, that's that spirit of oppression. I'm not going to go that route, okay? So Jesus went about doing good and healing all the oppressed of the devil. The Amplified Bible says all that were harassed and oppressed by the devil. Now that, that brings a whole different meaning to it. You know what it means to be harassed. Surely you know what it means to be harassed. You know, when, when somebody's harassing you, it means they're constantly picking at you and doing things that aggravate you and, and, and it's a form of terrorism. I mean, just, just to make your life miserable and that harassing. And the devil knows how to harass you. He knows you so well that he knows how to harass you and keep you agitated and keep you upset and he knows how to poke your buttons and he knows how to manipulate you and, and to harass you and get you to be oppressed. Because if you're oppressed, it means you're not going to get anything accomplished. How many has ever, ever felt like, man, it just seems like I can't get anything done? Well, that's that oppressive, harassing spirit that's trying to complicate your life. One of the, one of the examples, and, and we as a church have got to understand this, one of an example of, of being under the oppression of the enemy is, is not being able to bear much fruit. Being under the dominion of Holy Spirit means that there's constantly fruit being produced. Now, the devil doesn't mind, doesn't, he, he doesn't mind how much we worship. He doesn't mind if we get goosebumps on Sunday morning. He doesn't mind if, 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 if you know, we're doing uh, our thing as long as we're not affecting anybody. You know? He wants to get you closed down, shut down, and he wants to harass you and oppress you to the point that you're just trying to survive in your own little world when God wants you to abound in the world. Amen. Uh, 
I could go so many different directions right now. This is this is just opened up to me, and I've got so many avenues that I want to get us to understand. And but Jesus came to heal those who are being harassed. Amen. Sickness is a harassment. Amen. How many know the sickness sickness is a harassment? You are being harassed when sickness comes on your body. Amen. It doesn't mean you've done wrong, okay? People get so offended when you talk about this stuff. You know, you they you talk about, you know, sickness being a harassment or whatever, and it's 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 like we're uh, implicating you in some kind of crime or something. We're not. What we're saying is sickness is a harassment that comes to try to stop you, try to um, enable you or disable you, even <laughs> disable you, when God has come to enable you and empower you. And our physical bodies is our vehicle that carries us around. So if our physical bodies start fighting against us, guess what? We're not going to be able to accomplish the things we need to accomplish. Amen. I know what that harassment is. A lot of times it's just natural stuff. I mean, viruses and germs. And if you're around kids a lot, they are germ factories. And so you're going to have, you're going to have viruses and you're going to have to fight against bacteria because they are developing their immune system. So they're, they're producing germs. They're producing viruses, you know. And, and so a lot of stuff is, is that. And yet it's still harassment. It might be natural, might be normal, but it's still harassment. And then there's, there's other diseases that come on our bodies. It is harassment. And, and, but Jesus came, and he broke the power of harassment. He shed his blood on the cross. He took the stripes on his back. Why? So that he could heal those who are being harassed and oppressed. Amen. There's been times I've been in other countries and, and sickness come on me and begin to harass me and I can't just, I can't, I can't just lay you know, at, at the, the motel or whatever I'm at, wherever I'm staying, I can't just lay there and not do anything. I have to get up and go preach. I mean, that's what I'm there for. And so a lot of times I have to preach in a very weak state Sometimes running a fever, sometimes chilling so hard I can't hardly hold myself still, and yet get up and preach and minister to people. Why? Because I refuse to succumb to the harassment of the devil, and I'm going to do what God sent me to do because he's able to take care of me, and God always gives us strength. He always brings healing. He always raises it up, and he always makes it happen. Amen. Oh, let me tell you something. If we just if we turn to God in those times and say, God, you are my strength, you are my helper in time of need, and, and just push. Come on, somebody. Just push through it. I, I'm, I have a tendency to do that, even when I shouldn't. Sometimes I show up here sick, and I, I shouldn't. But I do it because, you know, to me, it's, it's like, allowing myself to be defeated, you know? It, it's a personal thing with me. And, and I'm going to fight back, you know? I'm just, I'm just going to fight back. One, one morning, Sister Val showed up here, and she was sick. She, her, she couldn't talk. She couldn't do anything. And I said, I said, well, what are you doing here? She said, well, you do it. <laughs> she said, how can I stay home when you're always showing up? <laughs> 
In the book of Luke chapter 4, turn with the book of Luke chapter 4. We're going to dig into this. I, I hope I've kind of set the mindset of where we're going with this. Book of Luke chapter 4, Jesus met the harasser. Verse 5 through 7, then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Now I want you to notice that. Later on I'm going to be going back to this verse because we're going to be talking about the dominion of the enemy over, over finances. But right now I want you to notice that Jesus did not say, no, you do not have authority over that. It was truth. He said, all this has been delivered to me. And then he, then he comes in for the kill. He says, therefore, verse 7, if you will worship me, all will be yours. In other words, if you will come under my dominion, then you can have this. I'll give it to you. And Jesus said, let me, par let me Snyderize this. <laughs> you think I'm going to succumb and, and submit to you for this? My father made this. I created it. He spoke it, I created it, and I'm going to worship God, the Creator, and I'm going to stay under His dominion. Come on, somebody. See, the devil's always trying to get you to succumb to his dominion or his rule or authority over your life. You might be a Christian and still be living under the dominion of the enemy. The harassment and oppressiveness of the enemy. If you find yourself always agitated, you're under the oppression of the enemy. If you find yourself always jealous about something, you're under the oppression of the enemy. If you find yourself always being feeling mistreated and like life doesn't treat you fair, you're under the oppression of the enemy. If you, if you find yourself constantly being stolen from and every blessing that comes to you gets taken away, you're under the oppression of the enemy. And Jesus said, I will not sell out for this little thing that you're offering me. I will stay under the authority of God Almighty and I will show you dominion. Amen. Now that's, that's Snyder commentary, okay? But I think, you know, I, I think, you know, if, if they had to record it right, that's probably what Jesus said. But Jesus, Jesus said, I, I, I'm not going to bow down and worship you. Can you imagine the devil having, having the gall, as they, the old timers used to say, to actually say this? I mean, Jesus was there when Lucifer fell. He said, I saw Satan fall from heaven. I saw him fall. And he was there when Lucifer totally lost it. And was cast out. And here Lucifer is trying to challenge the humanity of Jesus and say, if you'll worship me, I'll give you all of this. 
But thankfully, the Holy Spirit was the one in dominion over Jesus' life. Because preceding this, he had been baptized, and the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove and came upon him and empowered him. And here in this garden, in this or this wilderness of temptation, there is a power inside of Jesus that will not succumb to the dominion of Satan. And that power inside of Jesus rose up and said, Who do you think you're talking to? I will worship God only. And him only will I serve. And Satan lost his ability to manipulate the king of glory because he refused to succumb to that oppressive spirit. Amen. So he stood up to him and took dominion. He he refused to come under. Now, you can see later on that when Jesus walked into the temple and the you know, the, the devil, Satan kept saying, if you are the son of God. And he was challenging his dominion. He was challenging his position in God. He was challenging his connection to the Father. He challenged everything about his connection to the Father and tried to get him to give that away. Listen, the devil can't take anything from you, but he sure knows how to get us to give it up. He knows how to manipulate us and get, it, get us to give it up. We've got so many arguments that if we just lay down our arguments, power would take over our life. Amen. We need to quit arguing with, the, in a, with, with, with God. We need to quit arguing with the devil. We need to quit arguing with everybody. We need to quit arguing with ourselves and just establish who's in charge here. Amen. Woo. Amen. In uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, Galatians 5 and one. Oh, this is it's gonna get better and better. I've been I've been living in this and it's been fun. Galatians five and verse one. Paul says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Now, next Sunday, we're going to be talking about what, what being free really is. But I want to talk today about establishing dominion. He said, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, the word entangled actually means uh, to weave. To weave. See, what Paul is talking about here is there was a, a doctrine going around in that time that uh, was, was trying to bring uh, Old Testament law and customs into Christianity. Now, in, in Romans chapter 8, Paul said that, that the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. And a big part of Paul's life was spent battling and trying to bring the church into a new dominion 
out from under the law, which the law was not there to save anybody. The law was given to show us how sinful we are. It was a schoolmaster to show us how sinful we are and how impossible it is for us to serve God because the children of Israel had an opportunity to go into relationship with God. Instead, they said, Moses, you go talk to him. We don't have anything to do with him. And so instead of relationship, they got the law. And so they was living under the law. The law didn't come to redeem anybody. The law come to show us how unredeemable we were. But then Jesus come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He come to give us the law of, of, of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that has made us free from the law of sin and death. And so in this, Paul is trying to approach this in the Galatian church, and he's saying, look, that bondage, that spirit of death, that spirit of bondage is trying to weave itself back into the fibers of Christianity. In other words, you're, you're taking the, the cloak of Christ, of his righteousness, and trying to weave the customs of the law into the cloak of Christ. Isn't it amazing how the devil knows how to weave his beliefs into our Christianity, into our freedom? He doesn't just come in and say, no, you know, that's all wrong. If, if, if the enemy can't defeat you, he will join you. Amen. He will become part of your belief system if you let him. And he will contaminate your belief system. Amen. I mean, he, he, does, he does it all the time. Churches have split and split and split and split over belief systems. And a lot of times it is, it is, is a righteous thought that becomes a selfish motive that causes the problem. Isn't that right? Get to where we can't we can't agree on one one thing, so so we split, and and we can't get along with each other because our belief system says, you know, it, we 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 take our belief system as being us, and so we take everything really personal that tries to disagree with our belief system. That's why people get so agitated when you talk about religion or politics or things like that. It's because that belief system is we we view that belief system as us. And so it's hard to have just a rational conversation about something if there's somebody opposing our belief system because it causes us to feel angry that they're attacking us. Well, they're not attacking you. They're trying to reason out belief system, okay? And every opinion left to itself will always be wrong. That's a Snyderism. That's what I started saying a long time ago. Every opinion left to itself will always be wrong. Why? Because we can never see the whole picture. That's why you have four Gospels, because everyone writing the Gospels saw things from a different angle. Amen. You say, well, the, the, the Gospels disagree with each other. No, you got four different perspectives of what was happening. 
One was standing on this street corner and saw it from this angle. Another was standing on this street corner and saw another thing from this angle. Another was standing over. They all saw things from it, and all of them picked up on different things. If you ask four people in any situation what happened, you will get four different objectives or, or, or uh, perspectives about what happened because everybody sees something the other person didn't see. You have to allow yourself to be open to being challenged because if you're not, then you'll never grow in your understanding. Amen. Praise God. This is challenging us, isn't it? So that weaving, don't allow your liberty to be taken away by the enemy weaving this thing into your life. Don't allow your, your um, life, the freedom that Christ has given you, to be taken away by the enemy weaving some belief in there that opposes the liberty of Christ. Don't be entangled again. Don't be tangled up. And a lot of us would say, well, I'm not entangled, and yet we're at battle on the inside all the time. We battle that, that argument you have on the inside Pastor Jackie, good to see you. Amen. That battle that you have on the inside is, is an oppressive thing. How many, how many know who they're arguing with when they're arguing on the inside? I know y'all argue with yourself. You have those debates on the inside. Who in the world is that you're debating with? You're debating with beliefs. You're debating with concepts. And the enemy will try to bring you into a place of debate and argument when Jesus has come to set you free. Oh, if we could just enjoy what God has given us. The spirit of oppression is that which will cause us to become unproductive. And, and uh, on the job, if you work on a job where there's an oppressive spirit, then it... it, it seems hard to get anything accomplished. People are irritable, frustrated. They're agitated at one another. Pro productivity becomes difficult, and things don't work real good because there's an oppressive atmosphere. And that oppressive atmosphere is caused because of accusation, because of feeling... Um, demeaned or not appreciated. How many like to be appreciated? You like to feel appreciated? It, it feels good, doesn't it, when somebody appreciates you? Yeah, just think, just think how much it helps when you appreciate everybody else. I found, I found that most of the people that complain about not being appreciated never appreciate anybody else. Can I say that? Matter, matter of fact, usually we accuse other people of the thing that we're battling with. Ouch. I found the people go around saying, you don't judge me, are the most judgmental people that there is. Come on, sis. Praise God. I've been around people all the time that, that you say something, uh, you know, you can't correct them about anything or you can't even talk to them about it because immediately they say, don't you judge me. And, and then when you're around them, you find out that they are constantly judging 
everybody else. Matter of fact, the reason they have to tell people don't judge me is because they are judging the people they think that are judging them. Woo! Oh, that's good. That's a good preacher right now. We should be swinging from the chandeliers on that one. I mean, that, that was good stuff. But that oppressive spirit restricts movement, causes frustration, causes ag aggravation. But when you know how to release that, that freedom on a job or in a company, people become productive. Amen. That productivity. Why? Because their energy and their creativity is able to flow instead of being trapped. And the devil in the church wants to trap us, wants to shut us down and keep us from being able to flow in the things that God wants us to flow in. And he does it through accusation. He does it through personal opinion. He does it, he does it through our feelings. He knows what will get you angry. And if he can keep you angry, he knows that he can keep you from flowing. Amen. There's more angry people today. My goodness, there's just anger, anger. Matter of fact, there's always been angry people, but it just seems like it's it's just just it's become a normal lifestyle. As as long as I can, I've been I've been preaching the gospel for almost forty years now, thirty nine and a half. But and and I have met so many angry people in my ministry. I mean, angry people. Always these angry people, and I'm always wondering why are why are people so angry? You know. Why, why is it that, that there has to be, you know, attacks and, 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 and people have to demean other people and criticize and, and, and all that kind of stuff? Why is it that that happens? Because the enemy knows that if he can punch the right buttons and manipulate us, then he can stop productivity. Amen. That's really good. Matter of fact, that is, that is what has damaged the church more than anything else. It's just, it's just angry, opposing attitudes. Angry, opposing attitudes. I'm going to get off that because I don't, I don't want to poke that too much. Because you might succumb to that spirit <laughs> before the service is over. You know, I don't, I don't want that to happen. Praise God. No. Don't don't come around me with a chip on your shoulder. You know I've I've said for years I I will I try, I help people to try to remove the chip on their shoulder. But when I see they they refuse to let get the chip off their shoulder, I just get up and knock the chip off their shoulder because we might as well get this over with. <laughs> Let's not prolong this. Let's just get it over with. You know, here I've tried to help you remove that, and you've built a wall around it, and you have guards on it. So here, let me knock that off your shoulder for you. Woo, boy, do we have do we have fun? all of a sudden everything just manifests it all comes out there's always this explosion Woo! praise god Woo! i surrender all don't mess with me <laughs> i love you lord but don't try to change my mind When we understand the entanglement, to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage, any child of God, 
Anytime you get born again, anytime you get saved, the devil will always try to entangle old things back into your life and get you to justify them. And the reason he does that because he, he wants to maintain an accusation against you. He wants to have something he can accuse you of, something he can make you feel guilty of, or something he can keep you defending all the time. And, and you become defensive because you got to defend, 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 defend. You know, we're living in, in a day where, where a lot of people have tattoos, you know, all that kind of. I really don't have an opinion about it, except I don't understand why you spend money on, on somebody to poke you with a needle. I don't, I don't get it, you know. Somebody poke me with a needle, they're going to get a response. I'm just saying. I don't like people messing with me. You know, and, and for somebody to sit there with a needle, you know, thousand times a minute poking me, that's not going to go well. I have people say, oh, I just love it. And I, and I think, oh, my goodness. You know? You know what? The only reason you're doing that is because when that happens, your body releases this natural endorphin that causes you to feel a euphoric feeling. And, it, and, and, and that in euphoric feeling is trying to offset the pain that you're feeling. And, and so you feel like you're having a, a, a euphoric feeling. And, and women have twice as many endorphins as men have. And so a lot of women just really like getting tattoos because they get a release of those. And, you know, like I said, I, I really don't care. You know? But I am amazed at how defensive people with tattoos are. You know? It's almost like they're, you know, if you, if you got them, come on, somebody. <laughs> I, I, ain't, I ain't getting on to you. I ain't, you know, like I said, I don't care. But, but the defensiveness, you know, it's almost like they're, they're walking around with their tattoo out saying, come on, I dare you. Say something. Say something, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rip you up for judgment. You know, like, big deal. You know, there, there's been times that I've, I've looked, looked at somebody, and I said, that had to have hurt. You know? They don't even take that well. Why? Why do we feel defensive? Why do we allow ourselves to get in positions where we have to be defensive? You know, it's the plan of the enemy to get us to be defensive. You don't need to be defensive. It's good. Because when you're being defensive, it means that you're not okay with something, and the enemy has something he can poke you with and keep you from flowing in life. we got to get rid of the defensiveness. You know what I'm talking about? Amen. I mean, Sister Betty has a tattoo on her leg, and that's fine. I didn't care. You know, ain't no big deal. But ain't nobody putting one on my leg. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? Eight years ago when I had all those seizures and everything, messed me all up, and, and you know, which I'm completely whole now. I ask Betty all the time, I'll say, honey, am I all right or do I just think I'm all right? <laughs> I went to the neurologist and he, and he was, I, I had a lot of trouble with my left side when, when all that happened. I went to the neurologist and he was, he was pushing on my leg. He said, you feel that? Yeah, I feel that. 
And, and he just kept pushing. I thought he had his finger, and he was pushing on my leg with, with his finger. And I said, yeah, I feel that. He switched over my right leg. He poked me, and he had a needle in his hand. He was poking my left leg with a needle, and I thought he was just touching me with his finger. He poked my right leg with a needle, and I, I jumped and pulled my hand. I punched him. <laughs> and I said, that's a needle. He kind of scooted back in his chair, and he said, yeah, that's what I was using on the other side. <laughs> you know, we have these responses. But defensiveness is a trick of the enemy to try, to try to get something in your life that you feel sensitive about and you feel defensive about, okay? I really was not planning on going this direction with this message, and it was really great, and, and now I'm just meddling, you know? I'm having to deal with this stuff that, that is unpleasant, you know? We should have been dancing on the backs of the pews by now, but, you know, we're dealing with stuff. And so... When, when the enemy's able to get us to feel defensive about something, then he knows that he can poke that over and over and over and over and keep you agitated and defensive. Amen. Believe me, as a pastor, Brother Jackie, years you've been a pastor, people's always poking at something, aren't they? Yeah. Praise God. Good to see you walk in. You, you was here when you, when you was little. Your daddy pastored this church. When, as, as a pastor, you got somebody poking at something all the time, you know? And when I was younger, it really bothered me because I, I wanted to somehow, you know, fit in. And it took me a long time to realize that that was never going to happen. So I just needed to be who I am, you know? And, and so I just resigned all that stuff and just became who I am, and, 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 and 90% of the church left. <laughs> really weren't good for me. <laughs> I found out that they liked the fake guy a whole lot more than they liked the real guy. I mean, you know, as long as I was trying to fit in, as long as I was trying to, you know, dance to their tune and, and, and stuff, but boy, everybody liked me. But when I, when I quit dancing, it was like, ooh, forget you, buddy. But we, we have a defensiveness, you know? And people were always picking at me about something. My hair. People picked at me about my hair. There was a time when I actually thought, you know, it'd be better if I was bald. <laughs> Brother Ever Salisbury told me one time, he said, he said, man, I love, I love being bald. He said, I get up in the morning, take a, dish, uh, a washcloth, and I buff my head, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> I said, that's a good way to look at it. But, but people, I was, I was a young preacher, and, and what, what, where I parted my hair was an issue. How can that be an issue? I wore my hair parted in the middle back then. And I had one lady come stomping up in front of the church. You always know when, you're, when that spirit's about to jump on you because they, they got to walk. <laughs> you know? Come stomping up. Got that lip set. Come, she comes stomping up to me and she said, A pastor does not wear his hair parted in the middle. I looked at her, I said, really? She said, no, you do not, you need to part your hair on the side. 
I said, you know, I was just talking to Holy Spirit, and he didn't say a thing about that. <laughs> I am so glad you filled me in. You know, I've always had these responses. It's like, it's like you know, Snyder comes out. No matter what I can do, Snyder comes out. And, and if I'm not careful, I have an instant response that shuts things down, but, but probably isn't the best way to go about it. I was pastor another church, and, and we had this little guy that was learning to play the drums. So, so we didn't have a drum set in the church. So we, I, I told him, I said, bring your drum set and set it up. You can, you can practice. You know, you can, you can play along. And, and so he did. And the first Sunday that he was up there, I, I got through preaching. I walked over the side of the platform like this. And again, here comes this, this lady, a whole different lady this time, <laughs> marching down that aisle. And I thought, oh, dear Jesus. What have I done wrong now? She come marching down there, and she said, You have turned this place into a bar room. Nothing but a saloon. You know, because we had some drums. And again, I came out, and I said, Lady, I'm going to have to take your word for it. I've never been in one. And I just sidestepped her and walked down the aisle. <laughs> Come on. You know, you just, it just comes out. It's called not becoming a press. Of course, then afterwards, I'd get mad about it. Yeah, I'd go, back, go to bed that night and toss and turn. <laughs> Had one person come up to me one Sunday. I had on a blue shirt and a blue suit and a tie that matched. I was looking good. And this lady come up to me. It's always, you women need to, need to get it straightened out here. <laughs> this lady come up to me, and she said, a preacher should never wear colors like that. A true preacher will only wear black suits and white shirts. I'm using myself as an illustration because if I use you, you'll get offended. <laughs> but when, when somebody's always picking at you, it's the devil trying to find a, a way to get you defensive. And if he can get you defensive, he can bring you back into that spirit of oppression where you can't flow. Your, yours might be something totally different. If you struggle with jealousy, then every time somebody else gets a new car or something, you go around offended and defensive because that person got blessed and you didn't. There, there's all kinds of things that, that, that affect us, you know? There, there's, there's um, you know, I'm going to quit meddling because if I can start down this list, it's going to get longer and longer and longer. But just let me say, let me, let me say this, to, to not become entangled again by the yoke of bondage and slavery is to find out what keeps you defensive and agitated. And if you come to an understanding of what keeps you defensive and agitated, then you will begin to break the power of that oppression over your life and you can start feeling free. Amen. You can start feeling free. Some of us are defensive about our kids. Always defending our kids. Stop defending your kids. They're little rascals just like you was. Come on, somebody. 
my grandkids are the prettiest, most wonderful grandkids that there is. I know that. You know, they're, they're, just, they're just perfect. But, but they don't do everything perfect. And, and they get, you know, Papa squares off with them. You know? And I know, I know their tendencies. Yesterday, me and my seven-year-old grandson, we squared off because he wouldn't listen to anything I said. You know, one-track mind got his. I don't know where he got this determination, this this attitude. You know, <laughs> best we've tried. Betty got in there. This determination. I mean, you you can be telling him. You can be telling him, Israel, don't do that. And the whole time he's heading toward it, explaining to you why he has to do it. And you'd be saying, don't touch that. No, don't do that. And he's, he's coming back at you, telling you why. And the whole time he's heading that direction. You know? You know, Papa don't go with that. And I got on to him yesterday. I said, son, this is not going to work. Especially not going to work with me. And it's not going to work with your school teachers. It's not going to work with people. You're going to have to stop this and start listening because you're going to have problems. Amen. There's all kinds of things that we allow to manipulate our behavior, our mind, and the devil is the master at stealing your freedom. And get you to be oppressed. But you need to, you need to decide who's going to be in dominion over your life. Amen. Praise God. I didn't even get past the first two scriptures. I, I've got a whole page of notes up there, and we're not going to be able to get to it today. Thank God we have next Sunday. And we have the Sunday after that. We have the Sunday after that. We're going to get free. How many want to be free? How many want to start experiencing the presence of God? in your life. We're not going to do that until we understand what empowers oppression. As long as we stay under that oppression, as long as we do what it takes to empower that oppression over our life, we're going to battle with this thing. But once we understand it, once we realize, hey, this is what's given authority to the devil to, to oppress me, and we cut that off, all of a sudden freedom starts coming to our life. Now let me tell you something, cutting that off is not just an instantaneous thing, it's a habitual thing. You have to constantly go over and over. you have to retrain yourself not to succumb to that. Amen. Praise God. Because if you don't, remember what I said last Sunday? The devil just recreate that scenario somewhere else in another another situation, another area. Your soul, you you try to get free, and you can stop one thing, and your soul will recreate that that habit or whatever it is in another area with something totally different. But it's the same thing. Stand with me today, if you would. As I've been preparing these messages and, and seeking God during during the week about these things. It's 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 a journey that I have I have to go through this myself and and this week I've been I've been going through okay what is it that what is it that sets me off what is it that that causes me to become defensive what is it that brings me out of the presence of God and and back into the flesh and you know the, a lot of times there's 
there's too many things. <laughs> if, when, you start, when you start this journey, it can be a little, little overwhelming because you start saying, wow, man, you know, I, I didn't know I was so, so vulnerable. And we have to cover that. We have to put on the armor of God. We have to cover that and say, no, we're not going to do this. Praise God. We're, I'm not going to go this direction because I am not going to be oppressed. Remember the three levels of prosperity I've been talking about, spiritual, spiritually full. God wants you spiritually full, and the devil wants you spiritually bankrupt. Amen. He wants you to be the most miserable. The devil wants you to be the most miserable Christian on the face of the planet because that way he can dis, dishonor the very th term Christianity. God wants us mentally, emotionally, and physically whole. That's number two, level number two. And if the enemy can keep you sick and broken down all the time, then he can keep you from being able to do what you need to be doing. And your focus is constantly on the sickness, constantly on trying to survive the sickness, trying to survive the, the affliction, whatever it is. It captivates your attention. When you're in pain all the time, there's nothing else that you think about except for the pain. It's hard to overcome that, isn't it? Number three is the financial and provisional flow. God wants you to have it. The devil wants to keep it from you. And it's up to us to make the decision who's going to be in dominion over our life. Are we going to be like Jesus and say, no, I'm not going to go there? Or are we going to take his bait? When we're doing good and all of a sudden the devil say, oh boy, they're breaking free and all of a sudden he dangles another aggravation in front of us. He devils dangles another jealousy in front of us. He pokes us with something that irritates us. And we immediately come right back under that. Familiarity is the greatest threat that we have because familiarity will, will take a hold of your life after you've been set free. It'll just slowly and gradually take back a hold if you don't become a stranger to it. And the Holy Spirit wants to make you a stranger of these things. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you that I know who you are and I know who I am. But even greater than that, Lord, I thank you that you know who I am. And Father, you love us and you've redeemed us. And Lord, I pray right now God, that you will cause us to have freedom. Freedom over things that aggravate us. Freedom over things that bother us. Freedom over things, Lord God, that cause us to become oppressed. Thank you, Father. Say this prayer with me. Father God, I pray for the Holy Spirit to open my spiritual eyes. Help me to see the things that agitate me. The things that bring me back under oppression. The way the enemy is trying to weave into my life. Open my eyes. Help me to see it. To stop it. To overcome it. In the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for that. Hallelujah. Ah, uh, thank you, Father. We give you praise and honor and glory. Give you praise and honor and glory today, Jesus.
Hallelujah.